The Game Awards were this week with lots of announcements and even some awards. Plus, a legendary architect in the gaming industry passed away this week. Tonight is December 12th, 2021, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy O'Kay says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. No frame drops. Look at this. The night I'm gonna not showing a bunch of video. Twitch is like, yes, we will work. We won't drop your frames. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, uh, I guess, a technically correct edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on Twitch, uh, thank you so much. Welcome. We do tape the show live on Twitch each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel twitch.tv slash vog network. I will be in the chat room trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night, but I understand it's Sunday night. Uh, you can't. Not everybody can be here on a Sunday night. Family is very important, especially with all the holidays going on right now. So uh, I understand. We are a podcast. You can join us on our Discord server, though. Vognetwork.com slash Discord all throughout the week. Uh, and you can uh, see, you know, talk about some of the stories we may have coming up. Respond to stories from previous episodes, especially as the po- podcast gets put up late. Uh, we can uh, obviously uh, d- do all that. So I look forward to seeing you there, or you can be following me on social media, or just listen. That's also perfectly fine. I I love uh, the fact that people are out there uh, just lurking, however they lurk. Uh, So thank you so much for that. Um, So I want to go ahead and get right at the beginning that uh, the uh, Awesome Games Done Quick 2022 is coming up in about about a month. Uh, It starts, and uh, I am going to be hosting uh, four games in three shifts, so uh, once again, I'm going to be hosting reading donations at the Awesome Games Done Quick 2022 uh, speedrunning charity marathon. It is all online again. Uh, they are not yet going back in person, uh, but hopefully for summer we can. Uh, these times that I actually have on the screen have already changed uh, because a run Monday night got removed from the schedule. So now at about like... 9.55 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, January 11th. I'm going to be hosting the first half of the five-hour speed run of Final Fantasy 13, being run by Kyarun, Uh and it's in any percent. They're running the uh, PC version. I'm doing the first half. Severa Messia is going to be reading donations for the second half. Uh, so I will be on from about 10 a.m. until 12.30 uh, Eastern time on Tuesday. Thursday, uh, January 13th at probably about 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Froob, our buddy Froob, is running Lost Judgment, which is another like a two and a half hour to three hour run. Uh, that is a Yakuza title, but it is not in the mainline Yakuza series. Uh, it's all about beating up high schoolers. It's snooping around a high school and beating up high schoolers for being bullies. Uh, that's that's all I know about it, really. And then... Uh, uh, on Saturday, January 15th, the final day, starting about 11.30 a.m., uh, Octopus Cal, a Japanese runner, is going to be running Earthbound. And then right after that, Cool 114 will be running all tracks in Mario Kart Wii as we uh, speed towards the end of the marathon. Uh, and Saturday is always a very intense day because every all, that's when all the big uh, moments seem to happen, uh, especially with donations and stuff. So... I'm going to be hosting at those times reading donations. I will not be on screen. You'll just be hearing me. Uh, and if you do decide to donate, uh, if you use the hashtag VOG Network, V-O-G Network, that is kind of a whitelist that will get it up to me, get your donation up to me, more likely to be read. Uh, but uh, do not promote the network. Do not promote this podcast. I'm not allowed to promote myself, and I can't read any donations that have anybody anything promoting me. So uh, the the event is not about me or this network or my podcast or my popularity uh, or any or lack thereof. It's not about any of that. It's about the runner and it's about the charity. And so uh, 
I prioritize those, but I like getting my friends read on the air. It's, it's, it'd be kind of neat. Uh, so that is going to be happening in about a month from now. It's already, it, it's December 12th. Where, where did the time go? Time has no meaning anymore. Um, we are also going to start off with a little bit of, uh, of sad news uh, that we have had uh, another um, legend of our childhood uh, passed away this week after, after, a, nice, uh, after a, a nice long life. Uh, but uh, Masayuki Uemura is uh, a name you probably don't know, but you know his work. Kotaku reports that Masayuki Uemura was the lead architect for the Famicom, which became the Nintendo Entertainment System, and the Super Famicom which was the Super Nintendo. The mark he left on the gaming industry and popular culture is indelible. According to Oricon News, Yomura passed away on December 6th. He was 78. Uh, Ritsumeikan University, where Yomura became the director of game studies after retiring from Nintendo in 2004, announced his passing earlier this week. Originally, he worked at Sharp, uh, selling photocell tech to various companies, including his future employer, Nintendo. Once joining the company, he worked with Gunpei Yokoi to integrate the photocell techno- uh, technology into electric light- electronic light gun games. He would go on to work on plug-and-play consoles like Nintendo's Color TV game. But everything changed in 1981 with a single phone call. Uh, Yormar told Matt Alt in an interview published last year on Kotaku, quote, President Yamauchi told me to make a video game system, one that could play games on cartridge. He always liked, my, he always liked to call me after he'd had a few drinks, so I didn't think much of it. I just said, sure thing, boss, and hung up. It wasn't until the next morning when he came to me sober and said, that thing we talked about, you're on it, and then it hit me. He was serious, unquote. He got to work on what would become the famous Famicom, uh, which was the Nintendo Entertainment System when it came out here. Uh, and uh, then uh, when he was asked how that changed things, Yomura replied, quote, well, my salary went up. That's a fact. So I was getting paid more. But the flip side was my job was a lot harder. President Yamauchi's attitude played a big part in this. But my feeling was one of seize the day. Just go for it, unquote. Uh, so Ritsumeikan University will be holding a memorial service for Yomura, uh, who will be li- which will be announced at a later date. Uh, Tiger Claw says he single-handedly brought video game consoles back after the video game crash of 1983. I wouldn't say he single-handedly did it because Nintendo is a, a large company. A lot of factors came into that uh, a system is only as good as the games that are on it, and he did not design the video games. He just designed the hardware. Uh, so he did not... I, I, I think even he would say that he didn't single-handedly do anything for the video game industry, but he architected and helped architect the system uh, with Gunpei Yokoi uh, to um, of uh, bringing the video game industry back. Fifth Dream owns a Sharp Famicom. I'm jealous. Very jealous. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, but he lived a, a nice long life. He retired. He reti- uh, worked on in, in a university, uh, teaching game design to the next generation of architects that will. Um, that that hopefully will undoubtedly shape our industry uh, for 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 a long time in the future. Dark Tessia says, "I grew up with the NES ever since visiting my uncle and playing on his system. I've been hooked ever since." I uh, my NES story was that uh, I uh, uh, I really wanted it and my parents wouldn't get it, so I convinced them. Well, if we get this particular set, I can exercise. It was the one with the power pad. I never exercised on it, but it got me the Nintendo, and that's how I finally got the NES. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household that was very uh, that that had a love of technology. My father was into computers, so I already had a Commodore sixty four. I had you know my dad was using a VIC twenty. I'm sure he built an Altair. I just don't know if he actually did or not. He doesn't. It's not there anymore. But he was into all that stuff. He was an electrical engineer, so I was luckily in a in a household that was very. Uh, okay with that type of stuff. We had an Intellivision uh, before the crash. So, uh, but the Nintendo was the first system that was bought for me uh, and not just a hand-me-down from my father or from my brother. Podculture says, Bobby Scamwolf. Hey, every kid knows how to scam their parents. Come on, every kid knows this. Dark Tessie says, I don't know where the pad disappeared to, but I own the three-in-one well, three cart that it came with. So what happened with mine? Uh, 
is when I got old enough, I lent it to my nephews. And then uh, because they they were they were of that age, so I lent the power pad and the game and, and some of my games to my nephews. And then when their parents split, and my brother got the kids, uh, he did not like video games, so he got rid of all of their video game stuff, including the stuff I had given them because they didn't realize I was lending them. And at that time, I wasn't like I'm going to be a collector, so I lost that. But uh, I was able to get. On uh, like I think back when I was doing the gaming, uh, the other gaming show and working at the retro game store, a power pad came in that worked just fine. I bought it from him. I bought that three. I bought the three cartridge, uh, three game cartridge with world class track meet on it. And so I have a power pad again. It's not the original one I had as a kid, but um, but uh, but I have one now. E three VL says I got one because my neighbor got a Genesis. I I had a friend who had a Genesis, but we didn't play it, it, it all that much. Um, now I will also say if you want new, uh, newer memories, uh, I actually have here and I showed one of these last year. So, uh, what Hallmark is doing, Hallmark has a collection called keepsake ornaments. And if you go into any Hallmark store, you actually see a lot of these and they've started including a whole bunch of pop culture. Uh, and, and they've actually got a Nintendo collection. And so last year, the Nintendo collection was this, uh, little eight bit Nintendo, uh, the U.S. variety because this is a U.S. company with, uh, and it's got two controllers on it. But it also it takes a you put a clock battery in it and you press the little button the the on button, and it plays a song and it lights up and everything, uh, and and it goes through the, the Super Mario theme. So this was last year's keepsake ornament, and it actually usually lives uh, behind me. I have a tower of Nintendo systems, and this is the top one. Uh, but this year. This year, uh, and uh, Johnny Wufei says I need to get the Sub-Zero keepsake ornament. Yes, they, they've got the Sub-Zero one. They've got a Doctor Who TARDIS. They've got a whole bunch of Star Wars ones. They've got, they've got a lot of pop culture. But this year, the keepsake ornament is the Super Nintendo. And it's got Super Mario World on, uh, in the cartridge. Uh, and it's got uh, one controller on the side and one controller on the top. You can't move them. Uh, but if you turn it on with the power button... It lights up and plays a little bit of the Super Mario World one. So uh, these are going on our tree after this. But uh, the the Super Nintendo is this year's keepsake ornament. The the 8-bit Nintendo one I do not think is there anymore. I think that was just last year's uh, because they, they only run them for one year. Uh, and then, like, this year I think they've got, like, a, Mario, a caped Mario uh, and I've, they've got some miniatures of like Link and Mario in 8-bit form and stuff like that. And Fifth Dream says, mod it with the SNES Mini inside. I, I, I don't, I, even though the SNES Mini has a very small board inside it, I don't think it can fit in this. I don't think. And uh, Podcoach says, tons of Trek ones too. Yes, they, they've got a whole, like a whole Star Trek and Star Wars. And here, here's the thing. As I went into a Hallmark store, to see this. My wife actually bought one of the Star Wars ones. There's one that's like uh, Vader's house. And it's basically like one of those Christmas light shows. And you plug it in and it does like a light show with with sound. But you can cue those with a remote. And if you go to the Hallmark store and you go to the ornament section, you're going to find an entire like Star Wars and Star Trek section that has like there's a big wreath with a Death Star in the middle that lights up. Uh, there's all these Star Trek. There's a there's a USS Enterprise topper, and we're talking the 1960s USS Enterprise. It's a, it's a, a tree topper, but it also has lights and sound and moves and stuff. And they have this little remote. They say press this remote to see this this work, and it looks like the Starfleet insignia. And if you press the button on that, everything turns on. So here I am. In the, in the Hallmark store in the corner, and suddenly we've got Star Wars and Star Trek and some of the figurines, because they also talk like the Spock figurine or whatever. They all These are all going off all at the same time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I don't, I, what am I? And, and so I'm like, oh, well, it'll stop soon. Well, no, those, especially the big ones that are like 150 bucks, like the Enterprise Topper and the, and the Death Star Wreath, uh, which, no, I'm not getting, uh, they go on for a while. They do not stop. And so I'm like, well, maybe if I press the button, They'll stop. Well, it did. However, the other ornaments then start uh, that had that had shorter times. They had already stopped. So when I pressed the button, they started, and so I could not turn all of them off. 
So don't be like me. That's 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 the moral of the story. Don't be like me at the Hallmark store. Uh, I finally had to get like an employee over and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, it's, it's okay. Because I couldn't find where the off, you can turn them off. Like from the, 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 from the actual ornament, if you can find the off switch. And I just didn't know where it was. Uh, and uh, pop culture says, pull the plug was, well, it's a retail store. The plug is hidden. They, they run the plugs underneath the, the, the back and you can't get to the plug. So, uh, but, but yeah, so you can go and take a look at all that stuff. Uh, they've got a lot of great pop culture ones. Uh, and they've got the Nintendo collection for this year, which uh, it, it was actually it's kind of hard to find the the Super Nintendo one. Like it was not at my local Hallmark. My wife got this at a different Hallmark that had them in. Um, if you're into that stuff, stuff like that, uh, go check it out and uh, you can order them online. I think the 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 Super Nintendo ornaments, only, it, it is 20 bucks, which is expensive for an ornament, you may think. But remember, it, it does actually have light and sound. Uh, it's got a little light. And then when you press the button. It plays a little bit of a sound. The other thing I wound up picking up because uh, there there were there were two of these in the shelf, and uh, is uh, I got the other Game and Watch, so I I have the uh, uh, Mario Game and Watch, and I wasn't all that uh, I, I wasn't all that impressed with it. Uh, but then they they announced the Zelda one, and I find I saw it on the store shelf, so I picked up the Legend of Zelda Game and Watch. And um, I, I, because the the game, this game and watch has more games. the the uh, the Mario game and watch only really had Super Mario Brothers, and then the the, the I think the Lost Levels was on it. it. It didn't have all that much, and it had a clock, and that was it. And this, they actually put in more features uh, and more games. So there's three games on this, plus the clock, uh, and plus the game and watch game, which there was a game and watch game in Mario that's been reskinned. Uh, but they they did a little bit different stuff with this than they did with the Game and Watch. So I'm going to go ahead and and turn it on. Uh, and so the clock on it, which uh, it just changed uh, minutes uh, in the clock on this, uh, it actually plays through the game. And when I say play through the game, I literally mean it plays through the entire game, and you can actually play through the game as well. So. Unlike the Mario clock, you can actually go in and kind of, and play on this screen. So what's happening on the screen is that uh, it's 8.20 p.m. right now. We're inside a, uh, we're actually where we are in the overworld. Uh, and uh, basically you're on a screen and Link just attacks monsters. And then when the minute's up and it needs to go to the next screen, then Link goes into the next screen. So, uh, and, and it does have a little, you can hear the little, ticking and stuff because it's the clock. Um, but then it's also got a timer, which is also a game that you can play. Uh, so it, the timer function, um, which I go to the game and I and I'm, can't do this on the screen because then I can't see it. So it, there's a timer, but then Link is also attacking enemies and then it keeps track of how many enemies Link kills uh, in that time limit. And then uh, what's going on... Uh, it, what it also does, though, it just scores the high score whether you're playing it or the CPU pl- is playing it. So right now the CPU is actually playing this. Uh, but uh, you can actually take over and just see how many enemies you can take out in a minute or up to 10 minutes. Uh, Techlaw asks, how long can, I wonder how long it can stay while doing that. The Super Mario one, it turns off automatically after a while. So uh, this can stay on. Uh, there is a sleep mode on the on the uh, on the clock that you can either set off or or to three minutes, and so it actually will stay on. Yeah, the Mario one will turn off if you don't have it plugged in. This one will only turn off if you want it to, uh, unless it's plugged in. So, um, and I'm going to show you this because there is the timer just went off. The timer just just because I said it for a minute. Uh, so I am now going to go back to the clock here. Uh, and I'm going to show uh, a very bad UX decision. And UX is user experience. So there's UI, which is the user interface, and UX is the user experience. So when you go to the game set menu when you're on the clock and you says it says auto sleep off at the bottom, right? And if you hit A on it and it says auto sleep and then on the left, it says off. And on the right, it says three minutes. And it's got a little, uh, you know, a, a blinking cursor. So what I kept doing 
was I kept using the uh, up and down D-pad to say I want it on, and then I would go over to the right to the three minutes and be like, well, what if I want it in five minutes or ten? And it wouldn't actually do that. It wouldn't actually like like do any of this, and and I would just hit A on the off, and it would go back to 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 auto sleep off. It turns out what this screen actually is that says auto sleep off or three off three minutes. It's not turn it on and then set the duration. It is you can either have it off, or you can have it set to three sleep in three minutes. So you go over to the right there, then you hit A, and then it says auto sleep in three minutes. So it's kind of a weird UX. Uh, that is not how I would expect that UI to work, uh, but uh, but but that that is what it is. It took me a bit to figure out why I couldn't turn on the auto sleep because I kept hitting the off, trying to select it on, so I could then say, "Well, I wanted to go sleep in five minutes." You can't do that. Um, but the time, the clock function here. What's neat about it is that it actually plays through the game in twelve hours. So it starts at noon or midnight with a uh, link going up, get, you know, it's dangerous to go alone, take this, take the sword, uh, and then goes through. And basically every hour, uh, the a dungeon is cleared. And so if you are actually watching, uh, the, like if you set it to like 1259, then right when one o'clock hits, you hear uh, a chime and then it goes up, it defeats the boss, gets the heart container, and then goes on to the next dungeon. The other thing that it does that's neat is uh, when you're in the overworld, it actually reacts to the light outside. So if it is at night, the night uh, the overworld scenes, it is nighttime, which is not something that's in the regular game. Um here at 8.24 p.m., we're actually in the graveyard, so you can't really tell that it's at night, uh, but but it, it is. And then there's uh, uh, three games. They've got uh, Legend of Zelda uh, for the NES. They have both the English version and the Japanese version, and yes, the Japanese version does have the better sound chip, uh, so it's like getting it from, uh, from uh, like, if you've got the Japanese virtual console. Uh, then they've got Zelda 2 in English and Japanese. And then they've got uh, Link's Awakening, the Game Boy version, not the Game Boy Color version. It is in English, French, German, and Japanese. So, And, and they also, like the Japanese version of that also has some of the ROM changes of like different textures for trees and stuff like that. Either you ask, does it adjust to daylight savings? No, you manually set the time in this thing. Uh, it doesn't have any kind of like internal clock. It doesn't know what day it is. Uh, it just knows what the time is. And I, I don't know when it turns day or night. I haven't gone through the, the, the clock on that. Um, and then it's got a Game & Watch game called Vermin, which is a, an old Game & Watch game. But now it is, instead of Link hitting chickens, Link is supposed to be uh, hitting, basically it's whack-a-mole is essentially what it is. You charge it with, it's got a USB-C port, there's a USB-C cable, but no adapter, but everybody probably has USB adapters now for the wall plug. Um, so there are a couple of interesting uh, Easter eggs on this, uh, and Tiger Claw says, too bad it doesn't have an alarm. Correct, it does not have an alarm. It has a timer that you can set up to 10 minutes, but it does not have an alarm. Uh, so there is actually an interesting hardware detail on this, is that you'll notice that there is a Triforce down here uh in on the back of the system there is the triforce now the neat thing about this and i'm going to actually temporarily turn off the lights that are lighting me to see if you can see this but it's very difficult to see but the triforce actually does light up when the system is on so there's a little green triforce on the back of the system that is lit up uh when the system is on I can't really show it all too well because of the lights here that are lighting me. But trust me, it it, it is on. It looks cool. Um, and then there are Easter eggs and different cheat codes for all the games that are in here. And uh, the way that you do all of them is you hold down the A button for five seconds. So if you do it, uh, for, it's the same way to do it. Uh, if you hold down on the clock... 
uh, the A button for five seconds. It uh, changes from a little ticking sound. And it basically, instead of the ticking sound, now it's actually the sound, the song and uh, the, any of the sounds from the game. And so if you're in the dungeon, it plays the dungeon. Yeah, so it's like you're playing the game. Uh, yeah, and when, then with the clock, actually, like at like eleven fifty nine p.m. or eleven fifty nine a.m., you, they they it, you're in the final dungeon. You go in, you defeat Ganon, and you save save the princess, and then it starts all over again at like thirty seconds after noon. But if you only, if you set your game and watch to noon or midnight, you won't see that. Uh, you only see it if you set it to like eleven fifty nine and then watch the final part. Uh, in the games, it is Bobby Blackwolf mode. Uh, so if you go into, uh, if you create a new save file in all of the games, you register a name and you don't play it yet, and you hold down the A button on the uh, on the save file for five seconds, uh, it will give you all the hearts. You get all the heart containers right at the very beginning. If you do it in Zelda 2, you get, uh, you do the same thing, new save file, uh, and you hold down A, you get... Uh, like all the all the life, all the magic, and like seven thousand experience points, I believe, uh, at the start of the game, and then also you get all the hearts in uh, Link's Awakening as well, uh, if you do that, and then in Vermin, if you hold it down uh, for eight, for when you're on the main menu, choosing either game A or B, you hold it down for five seconds, you actually go into game C, uh, and then uh, if uh, you do it in the timer, it actually becomes a time attack. And so they actually time how long it takes you to defeat 21 enemies. And that high score is saved. So those are the Easter eggs that are going on uh, here. So uh, it's a neat little device. It, it's uh, it's very small, though. Like, it, it is the size of an old Game & Watch. So it, it I can see my hands cramping if I really did try to play for a long time on this, uh, which is the same thing that, that I had with the Mario one. Uh, but it, But it does do a little bit more. Then the Mario one, uh, it has a timer, which it didn't, the other one have, it has a more interactive clock, a more interesting clock. Cause you can just go in and like, Oh, it, you know, where is, where is link right now in, in the course of the game? Because he basically beats the whole game in 12 hours, not a speedrunner, obviously. Uh, the, there is a stand. So the, uh, the cardboard insert that this is stored in, in the box actually has a little bit of a, a component that you can pull out. Uh, you pull out the back and it becomes a stand. For this, so you can actually have it sitting there, and it even has a little area in the stand for the, uh, the for you to plug in, so you can keep it plugged in. Uh, Zen Monkey Eleven asked, "Does it tell time?" Yes, it. Uh, that's. Oh, we're we're at eight thirty. We at, so now we are inside a. Uh, at at we go inside the dungeon. I guess at the thirty minute mark, he goes in. Link goes in the dungeon. So eight thirty one, we are inside a dungeon, um, and so it you can just keep it on here and have it tell time. Uh, it, uh, it shows the, cl- it shows the time in the center. So like, it would be like the, the lava or something, but you, you can't die by going in the lava. Uh, and then on the outside, there are dots, there are 60 dots. And so that's the seconds. And so you can see that it lights up the, the new dots at the top. And then as you go to the next one, then the next, then the new, uh, time comes in and link will sometimes change rooms. Pod culture asks, is it worth the 50 bucks? Um, probably not. But uh, if you really like Zelda and you really want Zelda on the go and you don't want to always take your, your Switch with you, uh, then then this is a good way to do it. Um, and But he, he, also, if you have small hands, it's going to be great as well. But I think it's just more of a trinket. It's more of a keepsake type of thing. It's not something I'm going to use often. Uh, but uh, it, it's just it's something that's for the really for the hardcore Zelda fam. The Game Awards were last night. Or not last night, Thursday night. We co-streamed it. Uh, so the Game Awards happened. Uh, we co-streamed it here on Vogue. A whole bunch of people showed up. I was very excited. Uh, we had a great chat. Rob and I uh, watch, talking about the Game Awards, cracking some jokes, but really celebrating the industry. And, uh, you know, I, I liked it and I enjoyed it because I kind of made peace with the fact that even though it's called the Game Awards, it is really the Winter Game Fest which is the corollary to the Summer Game Fest that Jeff Keighley does around E3 time. Uh, it is a vehicle to make it for companies to make announcements, 
and showcase uh, their their upcoming titles. That is what the Game Awards really is. They give out awards, but really, uh, and, and even uh, the Game Awards, they have taken a survey. And they asked people when they watch, what do they watch for? And overwhelmingly, they say for the trailers and the game announcements. They, a very small minority of people who watch the Game Awards actually care about the awards themselves. So once I made peace with that, uh, I, I have been able to accept it and enjoy it a lot more because I'm not sitting there going, show more of the awards, show more of the awards. Because I know even though it's called the Game Awards, it's not about the awards. It is really about the announcements and the trailers. Uh, but that being said, uh, I want to point out that in the awards section, uh, Forza Horizon 5 and It Takes Two led the show with three wins each. So, you know, everybody's like, Forza Horizon 5 doesn't... Well, you know, Forza Horizon 5 went away with a whole bunch of awards, as did It Takes Two, which got Game of the Year, by the way. Take-Two Interactive must be so happy about that. Uh, Joseph Fares goes up. Uh, he, he says, you know, the Oscars. Uh, he said it a couple times up on stage. I'm sure Jeff was loving it. And, uh, you know, I, I was very surprised and shocked that they got it. Uh, Deathloop, Final Fantasy XIV, and Kana's Bridge of Spirits got two awards a week, uh, each. Square Enix and Xbox Game Studios won a total of five awards each, while Electronic Arts won three. And, uh, uh, E3VL says it felt rushed. Uh, it, it was kind of rushed in the sense of they knew what they wanted, they needed to do, and they had a very specific window to do it. Uh, the show was three hours long with a 30-minute pre-show. Uh, and uh, as we, we learned uh, from uh, SJ Winner Matt, who you know has a background in production, tele- in television production and stuff, and he kind of knows these things about broadcast window times and things like that, uh, he had a 15-minute buffer. So he could go until 11.15 Eastern uh, without incurring additional penalties. Uh, and HCI Andrew asked, did Activision win Best Corporate Culture? Uh, so Activision, I don't think, won anything. They had no trailers. They had no announcements. And Jeff Keighley, at the very beginning of the show, he came out and made a, a, a statement about uh, harassment, both in the workplace, but both in the gaming space. Uh, he made it very generic. He never called out Activision by name or Ubisoft or Riot or any of these other uh, companies that that have had workplace culture issues by name. But he did make a very strong statement uh, about it, which is about as much as 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 he can do in the position he is. But you could tell that it, he actually meant it. Uh, he was very forceful in it, and I didn't expect him to really address it at all. And then he just kept going and addressing it more at the very beginning. So um, Activision, I don't think, won any of the awards. Uh, I know they were nominated for two, uh, but I didn't go back up and look exactly what two they were, but I don't think they actually won any of those awards. And they did not showcase any of their uh, content. They didn't show anything about Vanguard. Uh, they didn't show anything. Uh, they were not. They were not there. Uh, but there was a very big uh, thing about harassment, both in workplace, but also between gamers. Uh, and he also called out toxic gaming communities. And uh, I thought that was a really nice statement. Uh, Zen Monkey 11 said they rushed it to end on time because they didn't want people complaining about how long it was. No, they rushed it because they didn't want to have to pay more money to go past 11.15. It's very expensive to do that. Uh, Nesta Sherwinner Matt says the end was very rushed. They did go over time, but only ten minutes, which for a live production, that's not that bad. Uh, yeah, it was. It's definitely it was definitely a money thing. Even though this was streamed on YouTube and Twitch, there he uh, Jeff Keeley and them they used traditional broadcast production methods. They used traditional broadcast crew and equipment and stuff. It's just instead of sending the feed to a television station to send it out over cable, they sent it to Twitch and YouTube and stuff like that. And Questbuster said the show felt like it flew uh, by pretty efficiently for three hours, especially with both uh, me and Rob commentating. Thank you so much. Thank you for validating us. We had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, let's talk about some of the announcements that that came out. So uh, the awards they happened, uh, and uh, like one thing I will mention is that uh, I best narrative went to Guardians of the Galaxy, and I haven't played this game yet, uh, but I put it on my Christmas list. Because somebody on Twitter had posted, it was like, if you're wondering why Guardians of the Galaxy got best narrative, here is a late game scene. And so you're going to probably get spoiled about something. Uh, here's a late game scene. And it was just 
it was powerful and it was extremely well acted and well produced and the the models in it the the 3D models get, gave the correct amount of emotion apparently like the whole game is like that uh, a lot of people are, you know, are down on it because the combat's not that great, but it's really a narrative exploration game uh, with some combat elements in it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm sold. So uh, I, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to hopefully play that. It depends on if somebody gets it on my Christmas list. And Dark Soccer says I watched a bunch of the game and it really is amazing. So uh, yeah, I, I've watched parts of it and now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it. But yeah, people were wondering why it got best narrative. There's a reason for it, and uh, I am glad that the Game Awards had turned me on to that so I can get it. But the bit, one of the big things that was shown off uh, it was at the very end, so I'm kind of going backwards a little bit in, in some of the stuff that I'm pulling out. And people were talking about this in our chat room earlier tonight uh, before the show started, and that's uh, The Matrix. Uh, Keanu Reeves did not say the word breathtaking once. I am very disappointed he did not say anything was breathtaking uh, but Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss were there to show a new clip from the Matrix Resurrections movie that's coming out. And then they said, oh, and there's going to be an uh, there's an Unreal Engine 5 demo uh, that's going to be set in this Matrix universe. And oh, by the way, it's going to be able to you can download it at the end of the Game Awards. Uh, so there was a, a UE5 Matrix tech demo uh, release for Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Uh, not for PC. Uh, and uh, it was amazing. I remember back when the PlayStation 2 was coming out and they the all the, uh, the uh, marketing said that the PlayStation 2 could render Toy Story in real time. And uh, they were wrong. It couldn't, but I think now we can. And I think we actually have been able to for a long time, but the Matrix demo, uh, it looks very realistic. Uh, the tech demo itself, if you're looking for interactivity, there's not a lot of it. It's a lot of holding R2 or the right trigger, depending on what you're playing it on, uh, and flicking of the stick, left stick a little bit. But it's not much more than that. Uh, so there, there, Because there's a whole car chase scene at the beginning and uh, the, the interesting thing about that is if you watch it on YouTube, people are saying they've seen it on YouTube. And everything is rendered in engine. So when they show in the YouTube, if you watch the YouTube, it starts off with the first scene from the Matrix 1999 movie. That's not a video clip. That's actually rendered in engine. And if you, get, if you find a comparison, you can actually see that, yes, they changed some of the things to make it look different. Uh, it's rendered in engine. Now, I'm pretty sure when Keanu Reeves is walking around, I'm pretty sure that's actually like they're using his live action footage in front of a green screen. Uh, because then you can tell like there's a part where Carrie Ann Moss is talking and walking and it's very much you can tell that it's a computer generated walk because that it's, it's just a little bit unnatural. We still haven't we still have the Uncanny Valley going on. But a lot of it is in engine, and it's hard to tell. And Questbuster says, uh, yeah, it was very cool they kept it technical with UI included to play with certain feature shows, such as showing the AI objects and the lighting. Yeah, because it's showing off the Unreal Engine. So after the car chase, it drops you down into the city. Now, the first thing I'm gonna, you're going to want to do, if you do get to play this, either on an Xbox Series X or a PS5, I did it on both. There's not that much of a difference. They don't use the PS5 controller in any novel way. It really felt like it was the same on both. Uh, but the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go into the menu, and there's this whole big city, huge city that you can go through. And you're going to want to go to, I think there's like one of the settings is for about like visual settings. And you can like take the pedestrians away. You can take the traffic away. You can do all that. Uh, and you're going to want to turn the matrix filter off. The matrix filter is because in the movies, including the new one, uh, they shot or they, they basically tinted everything that was in the matrix with this green tint. Uh, and that's how they differentiated visually what was inside the matrix and what was in the real world. So there's a green tint on it. And that is on by default. Turn that off because it looks so much better when you turn off the tint. And then you basically you can run around. 
Uh, you can get into any parked car and drive it. There's like a pickup truck, a sports car, an SUV. Drive it. Uh, ram into things. The more you run into things, the more uh, parts of your car blow off. Uh, and you can fly a drone and then you know appear in those areas. There are certain areas which are on the map denoted by yellow icons that if you go to them, they're a little pedestal. You can actually turn it into nighttime mode. And then there are orange icons, which are pedestals that just talk about certain things that are in the engine. Uh, and then the great thing about this is if you find a bug, you can just say it's a glitch in the Matrix, which I did. I found a bug in the PlayStation version. So there is this building, uh, and, and I, 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 I'm basically using the drone. The neat thing about this is you can look inside some of the offices, and they've got the offices rendered, and you can just kind of go through uh, – and and it really look it looks photorealistic. Once you get to like the person, like when people are walking around, that's where it kind of loses some things. Some of the pedestrians, but everything else, it looks photorealistic. Uh, but uh, this building was missing an entire floor, and so I could see inside of it. And uh, th- this was just a glitch in the matrix. And I'm I'm like th- this was interesting. Now this only happened in this PS5 instance that I was playing. I downloaded on Xbox Series X, went to this exact same building, which is very hard to do because you can't set waypoints and you can't like fast travel. You just have to fly to it. And there actually is another floor here. Just for some reason, it wasn't rendering. Uh, and uh, so E3UL says it's the 13th or the fourth floor. It's, it's, it's bad luck. Probably what it is. So it's a ghost floor. So I could see inside the building, but I couldn't fly into it. Uh, so that was the glitch that I found. Uh, but but it was a very impressive demo. I just went around flying around things, driving around. You can change where the sun is in the sky. You can't make it nighttime with the sun, but the sun just is at, at a different angle, and it changes all the lighting and everything. So that's the nice thing about about uh, finding a bug here is because it's not a bug. It's just a glitch in the matrix. Uh, Tech class, was the demo running at 60 frames per second? No, it was 30. It was 30 frames per second. Uh, so that is, uh, is so no, is is definitely a 30 frames per second video, uh, demo. Everything's running at 30 is not, they couldn't do this on the current consoles at 60 frames per second. Also, I know earlier they were like, I wish this came out on PC. I don't think this would run like there would be so many more bugs if they released that to PC that, uh, we would not, uh, that, that everybody would say, well, this sucks. Because it's optimized for Xbox Series X. It's optimized for PlayStation 5. It ain't optimized for your RTX 3080. So the other things uh, that were announced uh, that that, uh, were of note is, uh, well, first off, Quantic Dream is making a new Star Wars game, a finally a grown-up Star Wars game uh, called Star Wars Eclipse. It's not the new Knights of the Old Republic. But I was more of a Star Trek guy. So also announced... Was a Star Trek kind of point and click adventure game. I, I gotta I gotta say this right because it is by Dramatic Labs. Dramatic Labs is former Telltale Games employees. It's their new studio, and they're making a game in Star Trek. And Dramatic Labs was founded by Kevin Bruner, co-founder of Telltale Games, and uh, they ha- they are now a home for former for twenty former Telltale Games employees. Star Trek Resurgence features Telltale's lead writer, creative director, and cinematic director, which might signal the studio's commitment to make uh, making the game same kind of games that Telltale was famous for. That was from I think The Verge, is where I got that quote. But uh, uh, yeah, old Spock's in it, uh, and I say old Spock, Spock Prime, so the the old Leonard Nimoy. Uh, probably, obviously, with a different voice actor. Uh, he is in it. Uh, but it is not Telltale. I thought, like, Telltale was making it. But no, Dramatic Labs, which is former Telltale employees, they are making the game. Uh, now, Telltale, Zombie Telltale, is back. The name is back. Uh, they are also making a game based on a sci-fi television so- uh, series. And uh, it is uh, The Expanse. So it's a prequel to The Expanse. Uh, and it is actually by whoever is now Telltale Games, which is obviously different from the original Telltale Games, but it's uh, in the same style. So uh, that that was the big your big uh, point and click adventure game uh, news for and your sci fi television series news uh, was more was a more Star Trek new Star Trek game, and then also bringing in the Expanse. And then other things were shown off, but uh, 
you can you can watch all those. Like a new Wonder Woman game was shown. There's a game for Suicide Squad. A lot of other games. Uh, some Elden Ring that everybody cares about. Ooh, uh, the Halo TV series uh, was shown. Uh, a clip from the TV series that's coming out. Uh, but but all in all, like it was it was a lot of neat stuff. So Alan Wake Two was shown. Lots of horror games. I was surprised. Not surprised, but like after everything we've been through, why are we still making what we are all wanting to play games about horrors and plagues and things like that? Uh, And and so there was a lot of horror games showing and uh, a lot of Silent Hill trollings. That's right. We had two references to Silent Hill. Uh, Guillermo uh, Guillermo del Toro was like, hey, remember Silent Hill? Maybe they'll make a game based on that someday. (laughs) Anyway, here's my new movie. Um, And I was I was. Yeah. The creator, the, the original creator of Silent Hill, he's making a new game uh, with, with Akira Yamaoka doing the music, and it's nothing like it's horror, but it's nothing like Silent Hill. So, uh, so yeah, so that was the Game Awards. Uh, usually, I would take a music break, uh, but I talked a lot uh, because I had no frame drops, so I just wanted to talk a whole lot. Uh, but I promise, I'm going. I, I've been usually in December. I get to troll people with with uh, holiday themed o- overclock remixes, and uh, I'm not going to do that yet. I have one that uh, is really good that I really want to play, but I also don't want to go long. Uh, so no holiday music torturing. I torture people in the beginning. There's a holiday music at the beginning of the show, uh, but I but I'll save it for next week. I'll just save it for next week. Eventually, I'm going to get to troll you with some holiday music because it's it's actually good stuff. I'm not playing bad stuff. Uh, normally, we also take calls, but we don't exactly. Uh, I don't want to take up time to do that uh, either. Tonight, uh, nobody's in the green room anyway, and I don't, I'm not sure anybody wants to call in right now. Uh, we don't get that many calls usually, so I try. And I unfortunately don't leave that much room for them. Uh, but if you do want to call, let me know at some point, like maybe earlier in the night, and then uh, then I will make sure to leave time and shut myself up. Uh, going back to the Game Awards, Questbuster says, Nightingale looks really interesting with his Victorian England steampunk with crafting survival stuffs. Yeah, uh, so that, that was one of the other horror games they were showing and Slitterhead was shown. Uh, and I think that's, is that the one that's, that's anyway, I don't know. I tuned out on all the horror stuff. I just tried to like make jokes so I wouldn't get so scared because I get scared a lot. Uh, coming up next here on, or on, uh, the voice geeks network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is orange lounge radio is three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and he probably even has more, uh, more to say about the horror games because I know that that Rob plays all of the horror games. He plays them all on Twitch, and so I know he's going to be all about the Sacramento. There. Hi, I'm here, Bobby. How are you? I- I'm doing well. Are you su- are you excited to play all these new horror games that are coming out in 2022? <laughs> Every single one um, of them. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty content with the one that I play a lot. But that you know, the one from the Silent Hill uh, creator looks pretty interesting. Although um, it might be a bit much. I don't know. There's um, there's there's a lot of um, gore in a lot of those games, and it's not my favorite part. Yeah. So did you have you been able to try the Matrix demo yet? No, I didn't get around to downloading it yet. So I I saw the ad on my Series X, but uh, bypassed it and went to play other stuff. <laughs> it's only thirty gigs. Yeah, I I saw it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I was toying with downloading it earlier, but just uh, didn't get around to it. And so then I got asked, "Have you uh, rolled credits on the main main quest line in Final Fantasy fourteen and Walker? Have you rolled credits yet?" No, the queues are proving too strong. I can really only play for a couple hours at night. I found that my best luck comes um, if I try to queue up around 7 my time, I will get in the game by about 9, 9.30 my time, which I notice is like midnight on the East Coast, and that's probably when people finally start going to bed. So people um, kind of log off the game in mass, and then I can play from about 9, 9.30 to 11.30 or whenever I, I get tired. Yeah, and I, I, I've now what I have seen is that um, there have been people because uh, what's interesting is I am in a Discord server for uh, for uh, an event. Uh, I don't know what event that would be, but they're uh, they're all playing Final Fantasy XIV. All the people that are involved mm-hmm. with this event, and a lot of them rolled credits on the quest line. And because the the end end cutscene and credits are, are so long, uh, they'll get AFK timed out, uh, and then have to requeue. 
uh, or one person unfortunately had a direct X crash and then had to requeue to continue watching the, the end credits and, and stuff. So, uh, Make sure to like click the mouse or something, I guess, whenever you get to those. But I think like that, this is the case for all the stories, right? Like you kind of have to do that for all of them. The end cutscene. I, I think. Well, yeah, you have to click the mouse to advance most cutscenes. Um, although maybe if the credits, uh, the person was watching the entire credits, uh, that could have happened. Um, but I actually don't think clicking the mouse is enough. Um, they have some. Uh, technology in the game, whatever it's looking at, that um, certain automated actions don't work. Um, I have a friend who tried to rubber band the controller in their house so that they would continuously walk into the wall, and the game still kicked them, even though they were continuously moving. But I, but I it made me be like maybe I should get back into Final Fantasy fourteen, and I'm like, well, you know, I was gonna wait a bit, and I didn't realize they were gonna make everybody else wait a bit too uh, before playing this, but. Uh, but there's a lot of very positive buzz, and they got they got two awards at the Game Awards. So yeah. you know, none of the other MMOs did. Yeah, it's 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 difficult because you know I don't I don't want to gatekeep Final Fantasy fourteen. I think as many people as possible should enjoy it and what is a great story. Um, but it's it's really really hard for me to recommend and tell new people or even people that want to come back that now is a great time to come back because quite quite honestly and frankly it isn't. Um, if someone's willing to put up with the cues, then sure. Yeah. Um, but I just like this, this issue has to be resolved by square before I can actively, uh, recommend this game again. And it's part of why, um, I'll talk about my experiences on OLR, but I don't, I don't intend to review it per se, um, because the game can't handle new people right now. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah. So, and, and I can't even watch you stream it because you never know when you're going to get into the queue. And so, you know, it's probably easier to be like, all right, I'm going to set up my streaming and then I'm going to go on and, you know, load up the game. And so I can't even enjoy enjoy watching the streams. The streaming issue is also very hard because a lot of folks are very hypersensitive about spoilers, which I yeah, understand. True. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to see uh, me play through the narrative main storyline. Right. So I kind of feel like I have to get to the end of everything. And then maybe what I can stream is expert dungeons and things that don't you know, um, really uh, reveal much of the story or leveling alts and things like that. But you're absolutely right. Uh, that that period after work when I've tended to stream in the past is like the worst time to try to get in the yeah. game. And uh, yeah, all of that is kind of impacting my streaming as of this last week and so forth altogether, just because, you know, I'm usually trying to hammer the queue or, or get in the game or, you know, get my exercise in or something. So it's it's kind of had a bad effect on that. I mean, if you, if you really want to stream something, you know, Yakuza Like a Dragon is something you can stream. I'm just saying, you know, Ichiban Kasuka is sending true. me these texts. He's sending me these texts. I'll, He's like, where's your buddy Rob? Also, also a narrative uh, game. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I know I need to get back to it already. You're, you're and it's, at uh, the money part. So like you're actually having to do things that aren't narrative because you've got to raise the money. That's where you are in the game, true. right? So there you go. True, yeah. Cheese it on stream. We'll see. We'll see. There's also... You know, I always get distracted by things like No Man's Sky, yeah. Dead by Daylight. There's a lot of standby games. We, like we are in the Rendezvous, two, or we're we're in the Expedition 2 right now, so I need to go in and get get in. To, to, yeah, Alan to, finished it in like two days. So yeah. he streamed one day, and then he finished it the next day. So yeah. it's it goes by pretty quick this time. Yeah, so I got I to gotta just power up and do it and, and, uh, and, and go through it because it doesn't look too difficult as well, especially because like now also like all the guides are out and everything. I think somebody can actually speed run. Like they've actually started speed running this. <laughs> uh, and I think currently the world record for expedition two is 58 minutes. That's interesting when you have to unveil new galaxies as part of it. I wonder how they do that. I'd have yeah, to look into that. I'd have to look at the but guy, but I think clever. it's like 58 minutes or something like that. That's clever. I like that. Um, I will say this one is by far the easiest. So yeah. um, definitely get in there and do it. Yep. Uh, what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? Well, of course, we want to give our own take on the Game Awards as well, but we have other stories uh, to talk about on top of that, including a strike fund that's been uh, established over at Activision Blizzard King. Uh, I think we all know what's going on over there, but we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, some of the memos that are coming out from upper management uh, as a result. It's making them nervous that... Uh, 
Bobby Kotick's legacy might be that by the time he leaves Activision, he will have uh, finally created a gaming union uh, inadvertently uh, in his wake. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll also talk uh, about um, uh, everybody's favorite NFTs, but they're they're hitting the game industry uh, in several at several angles. Uh, a game developer where we were kind of like, what's that guy been up to? And then, oh, of course, he's on this crap. And then uh, uh, Ubisoft has launched yeah. a thing, too. So like it or not, here it comes. And uh, when you listen to OLR and if you want to know more about uh, what is actually going on uh, as well uh, on top of what OLR tells you uh, about uh, the union and what Activision is trying to do, uh, I cannot recommend highly enough. There's a You can find it on YouTube the last week tonight with John Oliver. He did an entire segment on union busting, but it was framed about the Amazon uh, union oh. busting in in uh, Alabama. It basically talks about all the tactics over the past like mm. thirty years that companies have been doing for union busting. And I and when you see and you hear what Activision is going to be doing when you listen to OLR, they're starting the exact same tactics that companies mm-hmm. have been using in America for thirty or forty years to try to stop this from happening. So look that Very up. On interesting YouTube. and. And I can't recommend enough the actual Twitter feed, a better ABK for the organization, because we can sit here and tell you, but um, why not hear it from the employees themselves? Yes, because the employees themselves love the worlds they're creating and they love Uh the lore they're creating and they want Activision to be better. They don't want Activision to go away. They want them to be better. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the sticking point. We want to support them, but it's really hard right now. Yeah. All right. They, uh, Orange Lunch Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. That is uh, where you can find me. Uh, and I am also on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok, and, and which I haven't posted to, and, and Instagram. Uh, or uh, in, you can find me on there at Bobby Blackwolf. Now, I also did, we finally uploaded a video for the first time in like a year, to the Voice Geeks Network YouTube channel. It was last week's segment on the Arcade 1-Up Tron. Uh, live, we were having frame drop issues, so it was really bad. So you can, act- if you're subscribed to our us on Twitch, you can actually see the video from there. But there's a lot of frame drops. But I keep a local copy that has no frame drops. Uh, so I uploaded that to YouTube today. So you can actually, actually see the uh, Tron um, build and... Uh, I realized I never uploaded when I got the Mandalorian pinball. I did a whole like 20 minute video segment. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to upload this to YouTube. I never did. So probably this week or next week, I am going to be uh, taking that podcast episode and putting it up and maybe even adding new content to it because uh, it turns out uh, that they hooked up my machine wrong from the factory and I never realized that my game wasn't playing properly. And uh, I have to go underneath and swap some plugs because two of my opto sensors are plugged into the wrong thing. And it was like that from the factory. So uh, I get to learn how to do that. Thankfully, it's a, it's a newer machine. So they're uh, Molex connectors. And I just have to, like, get the right color to go to the right color. But anyway, yeah, it was it was messed up from the factory. And so that's why I couldn't clear a mode. Anyway. That might be part of it as well. I might be taking video of uh, doing that diagnostic and that repair. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make all this work without the generous support of people that go above and beyond uh, here on the network. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we got a new follower, USS Rover 1 followed thank you so much for the follow earlier today and eternal enigma followed he's actually somebody i know from gdq we actually raided his stream after uh the after the 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 game awards uh he does a lot of uh silent hill uh metal, he's been doing metal gear solid recently but he's done a lot of resident evil and silent hill uh speed runs and he's actually been a speedrunner uh, and he's a twitch partner he's actually from here in georgia really great person i really enjoy watching his streams uh we also got pod culture resubscribing Thank you so much. Uh, only thirty months. I'm slacking. Twitch math is weird. You've been a, you've been a supporter since the, since before the beginning. Uh, and Dark Soccer resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. Once again, also a subscribe uh, a supporter from before the very beginning. So thank you so much for that. But you being here lurking is really the best thing uh, for us. So thank you so much. All right. 
uh, that's it. I will uh, see you all next week. And uh, be good to each other. And take care of your community. See ya. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.